Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, and happy birthday to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. So this little bonus episode is coming out uh, the week of the birthday of the podcast, and I wanted to pause and take a moment to celebrate that the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is now three years old. At the time of recording this, it's early on a, mo- on a Wednesday morning, the day after the official third birthday of the show. I just I feel inspired to share this with you because I've been reflecting on what I've learned in three years of podcasting and on the three years that I've had through the podcast, connecting with you, hearing your stories and sharing some of your stories. Um, and so I thought it was a great opportunity to do another little bonus episode while we're between seasons and uh, keep in touch, but also to yeah share with you what I've learned in three years of the Teacher Wellbeing podcast. Now, full disclosure... This episode is going to contain some self-promotion. I'm going to take this opportunity to share with you some of the things that I've got coming up and the ways that you can work with me. So just know that that's coming up because one of the biggest things that I've learned, um, not so much from three years of the podcast necessarily, but just from this being my fifth year in business for self-care for teachers is that letting people know of the opportunities there are to purchase my products and services um, is its own kind of self-care for me, right? I, I mean, I, obviously I need money to live <laughs> um, and not being in the school classroom anymore and not employed as a you know teacher in a school anymore. So business is how I make that money in order to live. Um, and I could tell you all about all the things that I've learned about that interesting journey um, of being in business and all the things that I was never prepared for in my education degree, of course, because it was preparing me for a job as a teacher. But the things that you... Um, don't know you don't know right but that's a story for another day Uh, but I have realized that in order for me to continue to show up uh, and do the work that I do with self-care for teachers and and put out lots of free resources into the world for people who maybe can't afford my other products and services I need to let go of that addiction to DIY um, and the martyr tendencies that I think so many teachers have and that I certainly have and that really keep us stuck and hold us back so I'm continuing to unlearn that and therefore I will continue to let you know how you can work with me if that's right for you um, so that me and also self-care for teachers is able to continue and, you know, I can thrive in business and in life. Uh, But we will get to the self-promo a little bit later. So what have I learned from three years of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast? Well, number one is that there's no one size fits all. I think it's becoming increasingly clear to me. It was something that I was already one of my earliest episodes was about this fact that everybody is different and then therefore self-care and well-being practices need to be different for each of us. We need to differentiate for that reason. Um, but it's becoming increasingly obvious to me through the teacher stories on the podcast and also the various conversations that I have with teachers in other contexts that, you know, we can learn from each other, but that nothing that uh, is working for somebody else will necessarily work for you. It's not 100%, you know, one size fits all, copy that strategy, apply that to your life, everything will be perfect. It just doesn't work like that. Um, and I and I think that that's part of the problem also with some of the teacher wellbeing uh, work that's being done in schools. You know, the, the school wellbeing stuff sometimes still comes from this one size fits all approach and it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work with students. I mean, it, sorry, I should say it works to a certain extent, but there's a lot of gaps there. And there's um, always going to then be people who feel like this doesn't work for me. And therefore I'm the broken one or I'm the problem. And actually, no, it's just, this is not the right strategy for you, or this is not the right fit for you. 
and something else might work really well. So that that the first thing that I have learned, which is really the, the confirmation of something that I I already knew, uh, but perhaps applying it in a new context, is that there is no one size fits all. Everybody is different, and we have to have to have to take into account those differences, those individual needs, preferences, even. Uh, when we're looking at well-being, just as we do in the classroom with, with you know, academic learning. Um, number two, the second thing that I've learned is there's a real variety across Australia, and I'm sure across the world, but we're just really I'm focusing on Australia. Um, there's a real variety in whether schools are even taking on board the teacher well-being message and how they're doing that if they are. So some schools are right on board uh, and have taken on this message wholeheartedly and are really actively working at culture change within their school and supporting their staff and, and encouraging everybody to be looking after themselves but also putting in practices uh, in place to make sure that things that can hinder people from doing that are, you know, taken care of or looking at limiting workload or having various uh, measures in, pr- in place to make sure that the teacher wellbeing message is not a uh, – is not an add-on to the to-do list. It's actually really practical and, and, and really making a difference. Um, so some schools are doing that. Then I also hear stories of schools that are taking the teacher wellbeing message on and it, beca- it does become an add-on. It becomes a tick box activity. People, you know, staff feel like, well, this is not real change. This is not real change. This is not real wellbeing. This is just kind of lip service to it. Uh, and in some cases, it then becomes used as a as another way to perpetuate the toxic culture that's going on in that workplace whereby if somebody puts their hand up and says, well, actually, my well-being is not so good, I need some help here, they're then sort of victim blamed to say, but yeah, but we did all that that PD on teacher well-being at the start of the year. So if you're struggling now that it's April or August, that's your fault. And so there's this real variety in how schools are taking it on board. And also I have to say, I do think that there are some schools that are just kind of misunderstood it's like the same thing that I see when um it's been and I will do probably a whole episode on this later you know later in the year but there's some been a fair bit of talk online that I'm seeing about um I suppose criticizing the self-care movement um because it's shallow and it's just you know if you're having major life challenges then you know a face mask is not going to help and I'm like well yeah but I think the people that are t- that think that self-care is just a manicure and a face mask have missed the point. Um, obviously, it's not the the total solution, uh, but I think that that's happening as well in schools where people are also maybe looking at teacher well-being as this kind of really shallow, like, let's just have a staff lunch once a month. Well, that's not really a deep well-being practice. <laughs> so I think there's a kind of superficial approach to it in some cases like I, I, I do occasionally hear stories people send me messages on Facebook or email um, like about oh well my school's doing the the teacher well-being practices that we're doing or the teacher well-being session that we're doing in the student free day in January this year is we all get to choose uh, you know for this one hour we get to choose whether we're doing craft or sport or you know photography classes and it's like that's that's not really that's nice that's a nice little add-on that's not really teacher well-being. Like that's one hour of a hobby, which is cool, but it's not going to make transformational difference throughout the year in your school, right? It's not going to address any of the factors that are contributing to teacher 
uh, ill health or teacher stress or teacher burnout or teacher attrition. So it's not actually going to address the the root causes of the problem. That's kind of just a superficial approach. So I've definitely learned that there is um, this real variety in how schools are taking on board the teacher wellbeing message and also whether they're doing it or not because I still get emails even you know, five years into self-care for teachers and three years into the teacher wellbeing podcast. And by the time I started the podcast, teacher wellbeing was a thing. You know, that's why I called it teacher wellbeing. I still get messages from people saying, oh, my school doesn't do anything. So I still think we have a long way to go, but it's definitely becoming much more mainstream. But there's this real variety in whether schools are taking it on board in a way that is actually, I think, useful and, and deep and proactive versus just the shallow kind of tick box approach. So that's the second thing I've learned. The third thing I've learned um, is that there are an increasing number of you teachers out there, individual teachers, who are taking this on board in a really deep transformational way. So obviously your school, you can't control individually what your school does. It impacts you 100%, but you don't have direct control. Maybe you can have some influence, but you don't have direct control over the approach that your school takes to teacher wellbeing. You just don't. Um, but you do have direct control over your own life and your own actions. And as difficult as that can be sometimes, it's also really empowering. And I'm loving getting the feedback from you that actually, yes, this message is resonating and you are actually making changes in your life. You're actually taking it on board and saying, well, if I'm the one that has the, you know, the most, the biggest vested interest in my own health, then I'm the one that needs to make the change here. I'm the one that needs to make the habit changes or maybe make a job change or or maybe do some work on beliefs and, and limiting beliefs and, you know, patterns and tendencies that are holding you back, like the martyr tendency that I mentioned before. Um, and so obviously what happens at school still impacts you. What happens in the wider context of education in Australia or the policy changes and things, of course that still impacts you, but you don't have direct control over that. So you need to come back to what you do have control over and it's great to see that there's an increasing number of you teachers out there who are actually doing that and who are really being proactive and um, also differentiating for yourself, right, and deciding that what you need, nobody else can tell you whether that fits in the box of what we get funded for or what the PD hours allow you to get funded for or what we need to complete due to the mandated training etc etc like it all comes back to that empowered proactive disciplined approach to self-care and when you as an individual recognize what you need regardless of what the school says we're doing this year and regardless of what the politicians say the policy is and regardless of what the colleagues in the staff room are doing when you recognize what you need and take steps to go and action that that's when your life there will be a difference in your life and hopefully you'll be able to influence change in your staff room and in your school and then collectively theoretically we can influence the policy but let's start where we are right (laughs) so I'm really really pleased to see that there is that increasing number of you teachers out there who are taking this on board seriously and and looking at it in depth not not getting confused between skincare and self-care. <laughs> a face mask is not going to solve all your problems. It's nice. It's a lovely thing to do on a Friday night, but it's not going to uh, give you the physiological and psychological energy to keep showing up in difficult situations. It will make your skin feel really lovely for a couple of days, but that's not going to be transformative in the rest of your life. So it's great to see 
that there is this gradual movement of teachers, individual teachers who are being empowered and proactive and disciplined in in taking ownership really of of your life and your well-being. So that's cool. So that's number three. And then the fourth thing that I've learned from three years of the Teacher Wellbeing podcast is that teaching is an inherently relationship-based profession and that's a two-edged sword. So that's what makes it so rewarding. That's why we love those magic moments in the classroom when it's either a kid said something hilarious or the penny has dropped and they've finally figured it out. That is why those rewarding moments keep us showing up because it's that relationship base. But that's also why it's such an exhausting job because the amount of emotional labor every day is huge. It's why the behavior management and the relationships with the parents and the wider community are so important. They're so crucial to success in the classroom for those students. It's also why the job is so tricky because if those relationships are, you know, fractured or breaking down, um, if any of that, that of our aspect of our professional life is not working, then the whole thing feels on really wobbly ground. Even if the kind of concrete stuff is going okay, if the relationship stuff is not going okay, everything feels really wobbly, including our mental and emotional health. So that acknowledgement that this is a relationship-based profession um, and that that is a two-edged sword, that's really something that's come to me, particularly in the last 12 months, but really over the three years of the Teacher Wellbeing podcast. And I also think it's our greatest strength uh, in that we are really collegial as a profession. Um, We can be the greatest supporters and encouragers of each other. We have these wonderful systems of pre-service teachers being mentored and and, um, early career teachers being mentored. Um, We have some fantastic relationship-based support systems within our workplaces, within our schools, but it can also be a huge challenge because we are also seeing increasing reports of bullying between staff members in schools and apart from that just not being okay at the individual level that's also a real risk factor for the overall culture of our schools and workplaces too and I don't know yet whether that's observation bias on my part just seeing that more and more Uh, I don't know whether that's actually increasing or not Uh, but I do think it's something we need to pay attention to. So that human element, the emotional labor, the, the relationship aspect, that's something that I'm going to keep paying attention to and maintaining a focus on because, you know, it's it's one of the things that I've learned over the last three years with the podcast and I think it's, it's just going to continue to be so important going forwards. For myself personally and for, for self-care for teachers generally, so I, I just told you the four things that I've learned in terms of, you know, what the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast has taught me about teacher well-being, right? (laughs) Um, But for myself personally and for self-care for teachers generally, I've learned a few things too. So number one, I've really learned the the lesson that podcasting takes time and effort and energy. And if you don't have time and effort and energy, then it's going to cost some money, right? They're free to listen to, but they're not free to make. Um, They're a real investment and I think they're a really worthwhile investment, but it's taken me a while to learn how to make this a sustainable thing. So I did a crowdfunding campaign um, last year before season five and I'm going to do another one really soon actually so stay tuned for that in in the next couple of weeks Um, because like I said podcasts are free to listen to but they're not free to make and I want to be able to keep making it I want it to be sustainable Um, so thank you to those who contributed to the crowdfunding campaign last year Uh, that was really the reason that season five 
hit your airwaves last year. And so really the success of that has has made me, has taught me a big lesson about, you know, asking for help and not trying to DIY everything. This is again the uh, unlearning of some of those lessons that were not uh, helping me, some of those patterns that were keeping me stuck. Um, so I'm going to do that again this year uh, because it was definitely a success. So um, if you want to get updates on that, make sure that you're following Self-Care for Teachers on Facebook and sign up to get the weekly advocate delivered to your email inbox. Um, I will pop the links to all of that in the description of this episode. Um, and so, yeah, I've really learned that lesson about asking for help um, and, you know, maybe investing a little bit of money if I don't have the time and energy to do something because it's worthwhile, right? And and you don't have to contribute a lot. Um, you can give as little as, you know, $5 um, or some people are can make larger contributions if you want to and you know sponsorship of the show is also available so um get in touch if something that's something you're interested in the other thing i've learned is that podcasts make a real difference in people's lives and i knew that already because i was a podcast listener long 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 before i became a podcast host and so i knew that because podcasts had made a difference in my life and there were podcast hosts that had made a difference um, and the things that they said i applied in my life and my life got better right so i already knew that Uh, But having three years now under my belt of being a podcast host, I am now really seeing that for sure from the other side of the microphone. So um, I love hearing stories of how various episodes have impacted you. And I really just want to share this one in particular because I think it's so powerful. And so this person's name has been changed to protect her privacy, but the details of the story are accurate. So Emily wrote to me in January to thank me for the podcast and to let me know that the interview with Gabby Stroud, which came out in July last year, was particularly transformational for her. So I think she was listening at the time of release because she did say that the changes she made in her life were the same week that she listened. Um, But so at the time that episode was released, Emily was in talks with her school to go off on 12 months unpaid leave to recover from the stress that she was feeling and, and, you know, reset and be able to keep on going with the job. Um, And she listened to that episode and she had a bit of an aha moment. So I'm just going to read exactly what she wrote. So she said, imagine that you're at the end of your wits. You cry in the car and you cry when someone asks you if you're okay. So you have a mental health day and you take the dog out for a walk with a podcast. You search for something that will give you a lift or a thought that will help. And up comes the author of that book, talking to someone you've seen on Facebook. When I listened as my dog sniffed around and stuck to my ankles like glue because once again I was crying, I honestly felt like this episode was for me. When Gabby spoke about her leave not being enough, at that point I had 12 months unpaid leave approved to go away and think about things. But I knew then that it was only going to delay the inevitable. I was in a school that was harming me and so after some attempts to be transferred despite being eligible for that I quit and the reason I wanted to share this story in particular uh, is that Emily so like she said she realized that the 12 months leave that she had lined up wasn't going to change the toxic situation that she was in at that job so she quit the same week she said Um, but now she has a different teaching job at a different school and she said that six months on things are much better I don't think that life is perfect for Emily by any stretch of the imagination but that change in situation has made such a difference for her and she the the impact that the episode made for her was realizing that this um in this particular place 12 months leave wasn't going to change 
anything. Like I wasn't going to get to the root of the problem. So she took action to make a change that actually did address the cause of the problem for her, which was a different school, right? Different, um, actually different school system as well. So I'm not going to go into too many more details because I don't want to reveal any, you know, details that might identify her. But I just want you to know that quitting the profession altogether is not the only option because I, I do see a lot of stuff that sort of promotes this binary, right, of like you're either a teacher and you love it or you're a teacher and you're burned out and cynical and bitter or you quit and, and then you leave forever and that's it. They're the only options that are portrayed in not so much the the news media, I suppose, although we, I, we do know that there's a lot of um, or increasing news coverage about things like teacher burnout, but more it's more the kind of viral articles and the viral posts that go around on social media where I see this binary. It's like you either love the job and you're happy to sacrifice everything for the kids forever or you leave and that's it, you're not a teacher anymore, bye-bye. And they're not the only options. It's not actually that black and white. And I don't want you to wait until things are absolutely terrible and you're absolutely completely at your wit's end before you take action. Um, So if you're struggling a bit now, just pay attention to that and start to make some changes. There are a range of steps you can take. So you can speak with a coach. I'm right here when you're ready for that, by the way. Like go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash coaching, book a discovery call, and we can just chat about whether that's the right choice for you. And and I will let you know, I don't take everybody on because some people I say, no, I think you need to go and talk to a psychologist. Like I refer on if that's what you need. So have a chat with me if you're just thinking about this and you're just not really sure. Or of course, you can go and speak to your GP about getting a referral for a counsellor or a psychologist if you if you feel like that's what you need. And, and there's also employee advisory services. Most of the um, states have those as well. So just take that seriously. But you can also look at other options, right? So discuss with your school the possibility of dropping down a, a fraction. Like So maybe you can go from full-time to 0.8 or to 0.6. And I know that that's not available to everybody, but it is worth a conversation at least. And especially at point eight, the drop in pay isn't actually that significant because you usually drop a tax bracket as well. So for a small sacrifice of income, you actually gain quite a lot of life um, and just things just become more manageable, right? Like I said, I know it's not available to everybody and it might not be something that you can take advantage of immediately. You know, it might be something that you talk to your school about and you still have to wait till the end of the year before you can start that next year. Um, but that that patience, that if you've taken that action and you know that that change is coming, then that's a step in the right direction, right? Um, maybe you can make a plan with your school for next term or, again, maybe it has to be until next year, but maybe you can change year levels or subjects that you teach or maybe you can schedule to have some leave. If you've got some long leave, take it, for goodness sake. Um, you know, have some leave and you don't have to that doesn't have to be stress leave, right? Um, so take some leave to to rest, of course, and 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 re- regroup, regather, or maybe you want to do some study or do some travel. You know, go and do something that will re- yes replenish your physical and psychological resources, but also feed your soul so that when you come back, you're you know rejuvenated in all levels. So maybe it's time for a transfer to a different school or a change of school system, like Emily did. There's other options, right? Or, or maybe maybe you do need to just leave teaching for a, a while, go and get a different job, go and get an admin job or, um, you know, I know one teacher who left a job and went and worked for a couple of years, at, totally changed states, went and worked for a couple of years in a capital city, major capital city, 
at a cafe, like just as a um, a waitress, you know, at a cafe, just to kind of have a job for a little while that was pretty no pressure. At the end of the day, you could just switch off. And, you know, even just doing that, just going and having a job for just a little while that's not teaching can actually help when you come back to teaching feel much more rejuvenated. I'm pretty sure it was Vince um, in season four of the podcast of Teacher Story with Vince where he did that. He went, I think he worked on a cruise ship. It's been ages since I listened to that episode, but he went and actually just got a different job for a while, right? Shaylee in episode one um, went and did some study and then has come back to teaching and Beck did the same thing. She went and did, they did some travel. So there's a number of teacher stories in the podcast that that espouse the the benefits of doing that. Like don't think that because you need a break or because you're thinking about leaving your current teaching situation that therefore you have to quit the profession altogether, right? It, it's not that black and white. Those are not the only options. Um, so just want you to think about that um, and don't make any knee-jerk decisions but also don't wait until things to get to their absolute worst before you take any action. So maybe if you're feeling like you want to make a knee-jerk decision, definitely talk to somebody first. Talk to, you know, talk to your principal if you can or talk to a the GP. Um, but if you're just starting the journey of thinking about it, that would be the time to get in touch with me. Um, and so that, you know, we can look at your options. And, and then when you, if you can do that, then hopefully you don't end up in the situation that Gabby found herself in, which was, you know, the, the options were quite limited because her resources, her emotional and physical resources were so low that she just she just needed to get out. But that put huge pressure on her financially, which she talks about in that episode. So there's a lot of things to think about, but just know that quitting isn't the only, you know, quitting forever isn't the only outcome of that. So if you haven't yet, go back and listen to that episode with Gabby um, and also listen to the bonus episode from January about rethinking our approach to teacher well-being and resilience because I also talk in there about that curse of waiting and just hoping things are going to get better, not taking any action but just waiting. Um, and I've had a, some comments from people on that point in that episode saying it was really helpful and it has caused them to reflect and identify the ways in which they have been waiting and how that wasn't useful to them. So you can check that one out too. It might be useful. So that was a big tangent, but that's one of the things that I've learned from doing this podcast is that it makes a difference for people. Um, and the other thing that I've had confirmed from doing this podcast is that podcasting is a really excellent medium for you all to consume information because you're busy, right? And you can listen to podcasts while doing something else like driving or exercising. And I know because that's the way I listen. So I get it. Podcasts are great. I do plan, however, on doing some more blogs and videos this year, but the podcast will remain a core part of what I do because I love the medium so much and I just think it's so such a convenient and useful way for busy, tired teachers to find inspiration and information that can be helpful. And also a uh, suggestion or reminder to go and listen to these episodes if you haven't yet. There is five seasons in the back catalogue now, so go and catch up. But speaking of five seasons, we are going to do season six this year at some stage. And as I mentioned earlier, there was a crowdfunding campaign last year to get season five off the ground and I'm going to do that again this year for season six. So that will be happening in March and April. So stay tuned. I mean, it's March next week, so um, it won't be next week, but it will be sometime in March. Um, and the purpose behind that basically is to crowdsource, crowdfund um, the, the financial contribution that I need to actually outsource the editing of the podcast because that's the bit that um, – 
takes the most time and it's the bit that uh, when I have to do it, that's why I keep putting off the next season and the next season because, you know, life is full for me as well. Anyway, you know, it's more valuable for me to actually spend my time coaching and, and talking to teachers than it is I don't have to be the one that edits the podcast. Somebody else can do that bit and then I can spend those hours that I would have been editing actually coaching teachers. So that's more valuable in my opinion. Um, but also, you know, I, I'm very aware that it, it can seem, you know, on that topic of invisible work, right, it can seem like putting all this, um, all this stuff out online and, and having a website and having the podcast and having, you know, videos and all sorts of things um, and, and making a lot of that available for free for people. So the podcast is free to listen to, the freebies library is free, um, and then obviously I have some products and services on top of that. But to be able to have that stuff available for free, it, it does actually still cost me money. So I obviously want, I definitely want to keep these free options there for people who need it um, and for people who don't have the extra cash at the time to be able to invest in, in these kind of resources so I want that free stuff available for people, but it needs to be sustainable for me as well. And there's also a community care element to this too. So if you are doing okay, right, and you listen to the podcast and you enjoy it and you find it valuable, but you're doing okay and you've got, you know, a spare 20 bucks, if you can throw that my way, then that actually, the the pay it forward value of that, but also the community care value of that of Yes, we need self-care, but we also need community care and we need to be looking out for the people that are vulnerable in our community and who either can't afford the help that they need right now or want to get started without having to stretch their financial, their limited financial resources. Um, so by paying that forward and contributing to a crowdfunder, um, not only are you keeping going this podcast that um, hopefully you enjoy, but there's also that element of allowing it to be available for others who are perhaps not in in the state that you're in where you maybe do have that spare amount of cash that you can throw this way and and like I said there's also sponsorship opportunities available so if you are a um, you know teacher related well-being sort of business there'll be options for you in that regard too so I really want to look at all the ways that I can make self-care for teachers sustainable and make the teacher well-being podcast um, continue to be free but also hit your airwaves more regularly so even the fact that I've been able to do so I did season five and then I've done these few bonus episodes throughout the year which were absolutely not in the plan like when I did my season five crowdfunder I think I said I was going to do 10 episodes um, and currently we've got 16 and this one's going to be episode 17 right because there's been quite a few bonus episodes from there so that that crowdfunder is directly responsible for the fact that we've had more episodes than I initially planned to do last year so I'd love to to continue that this year so stay tuned for the season six crowdfunder that is going to be announced sometime in March and you'll need to be following me on Facebook or uh, getting the advocate in your email inbox every week um, to find out about that so I'll pop links for those in the description the other thing that's happening or the other two things that are happening in March that I want you to know about I'm updating the freebies library um, and eventually there'll be a whole new website, but that's not going to happen in March. But I will have, uh, an, you know, an update to the freebies library sometime in March, which means that the 2019 webinar replays that are currently in there as of recording, um, they will need, they will be replaced by the 2020 Resilience and Wellbeing Workshop Series that I did in January. So if you want to, if you haven't yet, Go and sign up for the freebies library, selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash library, and 
grab those uh, webinar replays now before they are replaced by the other um, the other workshop series, which if you missed it in January, I've had some <laughs> emails from people saying I missed it because it was only live on Facebook for a couple of weeks, it will end up in the freebies library. So as soon as I finish the tech stuff in the background, that will be updated and I'm really looking forward to getting that out into the world as well. And the other thing that I'm doing in March and, and throughout the year comes back to that topic of hashtag teacher tired. So on Saturday the 28th of March is going to be the first of a series of masterclasses about fatigue. And so I'm um, once a month for the next couple of months at least, if not um, throughout the year, we'll see how far we get. Uh, I'm, I'm doing masterclasses anyway with the Resilient Teacher um, group coaching program who started in February and fatigue was something that came up on their list as well and it's been something obviously on my mind because I did that bonus episode end of last year. So the uh, Resilient Teacher Masterclass series I have decided to actually open up to the public to purchase, you know, one of the masterclasses or there'll be a bundle option um, when I figure out how many we're going to be doing. Um, I might just do, you know, you know, three packs initially. Um, so we're doing a masterclass, like I said, on March the 28th. It will be um, 10 a.m. Queensland time, which I think will be 11 a.m. New South Wales time. I don't think Daylight Savings will be back by then. So um, on March the 28th at 10 a.m. Queensland time for a couple of hours, masterclass on fatigue. And the first one, so the one on March 28th, because like I said, there will be one every month for a couple of months. The first one is uh, actually a, a collaborative one with my husband, Stuart, who is an exercise physiologist and so he has, he actually works with people who have had chronic fatigue and I actually had chronic fatigue myself back when I was at uni. Um, go back and listen to episode two of the podcast ever and you'll find out all about it. Um, so it's, it's a topic that's really close to both of our hearts and uh, he's, as an exercise physiologist, exercise physiology, um, they have an approach to working with chronic fatigue syndrome um, that actually applies even if you don't have chronic fatigue syndrome. So he's going to tell us all about that. There will be conversations about exercise, but that's not the main focus. It's actually more about heart rate and what you need to know about your heart rate and how that impacts fatigue. Um, and so really looking forward to bringing that to you because it's going to be so practical and so um, so valuable for hashtag tired teachers. So that's going to be the first in a series of masterclasses on fatigue we're also going to cover in later masterclasses you know stress nutrition the constant connection with the digital world sleep obviously compassion fatigue so we're going to be covering lots of stuff but we're going to break it up into one masterclass a month um, and so those are going to be $99 each and like I said there will be a bundle option as well so uh, I will put a link in the description um, to where you can sign up for that and th of course if you can't make it live on that Saturday morning, there will be a replay available to those who purchase. So would love, love, love to share that with as many people as possible. So that's coming up as well, something really important to keep in mind. All right, I think that's enough for this bonus birthday episode. Um, all the links will be in the description of this episode so you can click away and connect. And as always, may you continue to look after yourself as a person first and a teacher second this week. May you be a beacon of inspiration and an example to encourage your colleagues to do the same. See you later.